G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. The story. I started walking to the left and next minute this man come around the corner and he caught me by surprise because next minute as he got closer to me he drew out this huge carving knife and started walking towards me. And so I'm thinking I should scream but at that moment this high praise call come out of my mouth and next minute the guy he stopped in his tracks. It wasn't until later I realised yeah, that had to be an angel behind me. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story, where today the courageous Mary Hutton will share how she said no to retirement and decided to become a missionary in a poor section of Bogota, Colombia. She jokingly refers to it as being retreaded for the Lord and she absolutely loves ministering to the children there. We'll hear her remarkable story, including the time she was rescued by an angel today on The Story. Mary Hutton is chatting with Shelley Scowen. I'm having a chat with Mary Hutton. She's one of these people who's decided not to retire. She says that she's been sent out retreaded. Mary, I love that uh, expression. <laughs> Hi, Sally. <laughs> um, yes, I think um, sometimes God has um, yeah, different ideas and we have ourselves. So, yeah, I always say I have good ideas, but he has the God idea. Yeah, and he's got plenty of them, and he likes to use us in his kingdom plans. Yes. Your mission work has really been in the second half of your life rather than in the first. Yes. So let's have a bit of a chat about, uh, I guess, the first half of your life. Though You're a fairly normal Aussie girl from a farm in South Australia. Uh, yep. Tell us about the early part of your life. Um, on the block then, on the citrus, yeah, we yeah, had yeah. a citrus block. On the Murray River at Loxton. Well, actually, it's called New Residence, just out of Loxton. And we, we lived there for 23 years, I think, and raised our children there. I have um, two daughters and a son, and they're all grown up and married, and I have 10 grandchildren. Right, so... so I'm blessed. Absolutely blessed, yeah. <laughs> and a, a relatively normal life here in Australia that uh, many of us can relate to, obviously. A lot of farmers yes. listening in this morning as well. So then, all of a sudden, you decided to up and leave to Spain. Where did that come from? Well, it wasn't my decision. I had been teaching young adolescents in the church, my church about serving in the church and having a mission vision. But it was like in 1998 that um, the Lord spoke to me about um, going to Bogota, to the street children of Bogota, which just floored me. So, <laughs> so um, my good plans again sort of reversed on me and it was <laughs> me going out and not any of the children. <laughs> and God knew all along, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's probably one of his pre-plans he has yeah. for us and the good works he has in store for us. 
So yeah. what was it about Bogota that really captured your heart? Well, um, at that time, it wasn't anything. I didn't even know where Bogota was. So mm. <laughs> it was just a quick reference of South America and, um, yeah, and then Colombia, Bogota. I had a lot of um, people fearful for my my safety because Bogota doesn't have a, or Colombia doesn't have a very good reputation. So, um, yeah, a lot of people were worried for me to go there. But my family, it was like my family God had already prepared them and they'd seen me as going out like a pioneer to, to work with children. So mm. that was a blessing for me too. Yeah, yeah, it's a big change of life though, moving from a small town, uh, Loxton yes. in South Australia, all the way to one of the top 25 largest cities in the world. It's huge and even the population density is massive. Yes. What was the culture shock like? <laughs> Enormous. <laughs> yeah. I'm a country girl at heart and, um, yeah, to shove me into a big city is, um, yeah. And uh, if we're talking about Colombia, they don't have any personal space, so that's another big shock for an Australian. Yeah. <laughs> but first I did go to Spain. Um, I did some deputation work, and they suggested that I go to Spain for two years. And I was just out of the capital, Madrid, there in Torrijon, and I was um, learning the Spanish language and also working with some children there in a mission group. So it was a real big learning curve for me there in all ways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And then after the agreement was after two years that I would, uh, they would release me to go to Colombia, which um, I did. I, I went there in 2001 and come back in the middle of 2003. And, um, and it was a wonderful experience over there for me. But my heart was, yeah, God had really planted his heart in my heart for Colombia. So I knew I had to leave there, even though the mission team didn't want me to go from there. But so it was a bit of a battle to get away and get focused again for, for Bogota in Colombia. Yeah. It's interesting how God gives you the heart for places. I've kind of found that in my life as well, where God yeah. leads you by putting that passion inside you rather than dragging you all the way to the other side of the world against your will. It's not yeah. like, you know, he was dragging you to Nineveh. You actually really wanted to go. Yes, yes, yeah, because I see it if we're willing and available and also want to be obedient to the Lord, you know, um, it's the Father, I feel I'm working out the Father's dreams, you know, mm -hmm. and so he places them in his dreams or desires or destiny in our hearts, doesn't he? Yeah. I think not necessarily for everyone in every circumstance no. in life. I think there are certainly times when God um, just tells you that he, you have to go and do whatever it is. But certainly I've found in my life and in a lot of decisions that God just puts that heart inside you that yes. you really want to go and do these things that he's uh, given you the passion for. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I had to actually jump on Google, jump on Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge, and uh, find out a little bit about Bogota in Colombia. Can you just paint a bit of a picture for us of what life is like in Bogota? All right. 
Yeah, I didn't know until I got there either. <laughs> <laughs> but I arrived, I left here in 2005 in, and arrived there the 22nd of August. And I, yeah, Bogota is a huge, huge, sprawling um, city of um, 8 million people. Mm. And so, and it's very diverse in, they have stratas for different sections of where people live. And so the street, there's a lot of street people there and they are strata zero. Now, I live up in the hills, very high up, higher than um, the Bogota itself, and that's strata one. So I'm sort of just over the edge. <laughs> and then you have um, a little bit better strata two and three, but they're still low, very low income people. And it gets better as it goes, strata four, five, and six. Um, many people believe that Colombia is like a third world country, but that is not true because it is an up and thriving um, city, especially going up the centre up to the north. It's very quite rich there. But there are a lot of people that are on the street and... Um, and they choose to live that way and they get caught in the drugs and all that. So, yeah, that's not a good part of Bogota, I suppose, mm. with your street people. But And then where I live, it's, um, yeah, it's just so dense population up there too where I live. I live with people. I have a house for myself and, and like a club as well. So I have a two-story house. But um, Bogota, uh, yeah, it's a real mixture, as I say, of the rich and the poor, and they have a huge army and a huge police force as well that yeah. sort of tries to keep things under control as best they can. It, it's a massive city in terms of population. I would think then that it's a massive city in terms of area and distance as well. Yes, very much so, yes. It takes me two hours by bus to get from the... I'm down the south and then up into the hills. Mm. And uh, to get up towards the north, it takes me two hours to cross the city, basically. Right. Yeah. So there you are living in a Strata 1 area and you're running a club for kids. I take it these kids are ones that uh, have a lot of needs? Uh, yes, they're high-risk children. They, they're quite happy children. There's hundreds of them. I have hundreds. Really? <laughs> and I have this, uh, it's called Club de, de Amigos, which means friendship club. And the whole idea of that is to invite the children in for an hour and we do different age groups and they come in during the week and they play. We have also, we have colouring and we have um, jigsaw puzzles and table games and dolls and cars, all, all the things the kids love. And that's, that's for us. And it's, so we have that twice a week for the primary children. And then we have two hours for uh, girls, youth girls. And on Saturday mornings, we have two hours for the youth boys that um, very early they come in for discipleship and football. That's the boys. <laughs> And the whole idea of that was the Lord's plan that we form a relationship with these children by playing with them. 
so it's good fun. Yeah. <laughs> but on Saturdays, there's another whole plan where God wants us to teach the children to have a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And so we, we have four sessions come in then. They start from two-year-olds to six-year-olds in the first session. And then as they're going out, there's other children ready to come in. And uh, they're um, seven to eight-year-olds. And then we have lunch. And then we have uh, nine to 11-year-olds come in. And as they're going out, the teenagers are waiting to come in. And so, yeah, we work. I have some wonderful people that come and help me, Colombians, um, to teach the children on those days. So, mm. yeah, we finish by about three o'clock in the afternoon. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with the courageous missionary, Mary Hutton, who ministers to children in a poor section of Bogota, Colombia. Next, we'll hear about the time she was rescued by an angel and what life is like being in your 70s and living in a house with no running water. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen chatting with the remarkable missionary, Mary Hutton who ministers to children in a poor section of Bogota, Colombia. Even though she's at an age when most people would be seeking comfort in retirement, she's living in a house with no running water and having to carry buckets up and down stairs. Next, we're going to hear about the time she was threatened by a man with a knife. One day I was at the church. I have a wonderful church uh, two blocks from where I live. And they basically have the same vision that God gave me to serve the families and the children. And so this was a long weekend and there wasn't a lot of people at the church. And I come out and I did say goodbye to some people who went to the right of me into their houses. They live close by. And I started walking to the left and next minute this man come around um, the corner and he had a coat over his arm. And that should have brought my attention because guys don't walk around with coats over their arms. But this guy did, and he caught me by surprise because next minute, as he got closer to me, he drew out this this huge carving knife and started walking towards me. And I just became so rooted to the spot. And I didn't know, I was sort of thought, oh, perhaps I should scream, even though the amazingly usually there's people everywhere but this day there just happened to be no one it was just him and me (laughs) and so I sort of um in in Colombia in the worship time the Colombians do what they call a jubilee which is a you know it's a bit like the shout to the Lord but it's a high praise thing and so I'm thinking I should scream but at that moment this high praise call come out of my mouth and next minute the guy he stopped in his tracks and then he started backing off from me and uh, he was serious I, I was really in trouble but he started backing away and he was snarling at me and and he was 
saying something, but I thought, I don't want to hear what he's saying, <laughs> you know. But as he got towards the corner where he, near where he'd come around, he ran off. And um, it wasn't until later I realised, yeah, that had to be an angel behind me to stop him so so wow. dead in his tracks. And then, you know, he didn't even turn his back at all. He just backed back from me, sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, so... So, yeah, the angels are busy there. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that also gives you a reminder, too, that God is with you wherever you go. It's a little um, confidence booster, I guess, for you, isn't it? Yes, yeah. One one thing I'd like to say, Sally, is um, when God called me to go to the children in, it's called Kasukar, the barrio I'm in, like a suburb thing, right up in the hills, Uh, I moved there. And started living there in that, this home, but I never started the ministry. He wouldn't. He wanted. I had to pray for a whole year and take the ground. And yeah, and at the end, that was 2008. I prayed for, through that. But in that time too, we we were in preparation, preparing the the bottom section for the children. I had some wonderful young guys come in and help me build tables and benches and we painted and and uh, as well as yeah ward over the taking the ground mm. and then I um I, at the end of that year, November, I went come back here to Australia just to be with my family for Christmas. And uh, at the beginning of 2009, the Lord spoke to me and said, um, you'd go back and start the club for the children. So that was a whole year of preparation and, and prayer. And then we started in 2009. Wow. So it was a long time coming then. Yes, because you have to take the ground. You yeah. know, and I live in a very dark, heavy heavy place of there's a lot of like witchcraft there and it's not your normal coven witches and all that it's more than that it's a deeper evil spiritual darkness there Mm. and the people have a lot of superstition but it's wonderful the children that come they're so open to things of the gospel that they never say they're bored, they they are there. I never have to say, yeah, are you coming next week or anything. They're just there all the time. Wow. They just love to hear the things of the Lord. So, so it's like God, even in that whole year, was preparing these children too, I think, you know. And then I found gradually the, the mothers sort of come around and like last year, I had mothers knocking on my door who wanted their two-year-olds to come in. Because normally I'd, I'd taken it down to three-year-olds, but um, they they begged me that for the two-year-olds to come in. And those two-year-olds are wonderful. They sit there. And we, I don't have chairs. Um, we just push all the tables up against the wall and the benches, and they all sit on a mat. And like I say, Colombians don't have personal space, so (laughs) I can pack them in. (laughs) They can't afford to with a town that size, that kind of population density. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you can pack them in and and you can minister to them the love of God right from such an early age. And and like you were saying, taking the ground, you can take the ground of their hearts as well and plant those good seeds right from those really early ages. They're very, the earth is well prepared in their hearts. Mm. 
mm. for, for, yeah. So I just see that whole year as very significant yeah. in, in all preparation, you know. And preparing your own heart well as, as well, yeah. As well as the, the, the physical needs of uh, doing, yeah, we had to put a new floor in the bottom too, yeah. cement floor and that. Right. But um, God is faithful, he always provides. He's pretty amazing at providing, isn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah. It does my head in if I try to do his <laughs> mathematics. <laughs> yes, it's not really our mathematics. No. <laughs> Tell us about some of the fruits that you've seen over the years. Um, I guess one of the fruits I've seen, that I, and I love this, is the faithfulness of the children. I've had them with me since we started in 2009 and a good percentage, say 50% of those families still come. Wow, that's great. They obviously trust you and trust the things that you're talking about. Yeah, and they just, like I said, they love to be there. They see it a bit like a refuge, even though they're only there for an hour. To them, it's somewhere to go and it's safe, you know, and they just, and it's out of their houses because they just live in little two-room places, hardly any space. Everyone. All the children usually share a double bed sort of thing. Mm. So there could be, you know, up to four children or five children in a bed. Depends on their ages. Um, so just to come in there and just be able to relax and just, you know, we just love on them and, um, yeah, just enjoy them and they enjoy us too. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And it's great to hear your heart for the young generation. I hope you don't mind me saying that you recently turned 70. So you're not young yourself, but you're still getting around. (laughs) Um, I guess physically it must present some challenges too, having to run around and up and down off the floor with the littlies and all the rest. No, it doesn't. No, I'm very physically fit. Awesome. I live in a two-story house, so I have 20 steps to run up and down every day. Yeah. Plus, I have no running water in the house, so I have to, I get to fill up tanks downstairs, so I have to carry buckets up of water upstairs all the time. So that keeps me very fit. I call it my gym. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty good motivation, too. If you want a cup of tea, you've got to go and get the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I bring buckets up and fill buckets upstairs, so. Yeah, so that's a bit of a challenge for um, people who come because there's no running water and no, you know, the toilet, we have to flush it with a bucket of water sort of thing. Yeah. And so I I liken my lifestyle to boot camp a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. But everyone seems to enjoy coming up there, so that's the main thing, the people that come and help, all the volunteers and that. Well, like you say, maybe it's a blessing because it keeps you young and keeps you fit, hey? Oh, yes. <laughs> and the, the other thing that keeps me energised is I do get up early in the morning because I, I believe we like, we cannot run on empty and I do have a lot of demands on my life, so I need to fill up every morning. Usually get up about four o'clock and, um, yeah, just have that quiet time with the Lord and become energised and and ready to go for the day. I have a lot of demands at the door because there's often mothers there that don't have food or children looking for, you know, a school book or a ruler or a pencil or something that they just don't have the money for because the the people who live there, they 
there's, it's a daily survival for them. And most of the people there too don't have good ed- education, so they have to take minimal sort of work like cleaning or, yeah, all, all very basic. So um, that sort of limits them. But God is good in that way that when a person is really down and out, that I have some groceries for the mothers or, yeah, mm. always have something there for everyone that comes. So God is good that way too. Yeah, some amazing stories of how God is just using a normal Aussie girl uh, overseas in a big way. Just in your your humble little club there, you're doing some amazing things, touching hundreds of families. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what an amazing impact you're having. I guess it's something that you never would have seen coming you know, a no. few decades ago. I always <laughs> say if I wrote a book, I would call it Never in My wildest dreams would I have (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) certainly a challenge and and as you say you didn't retire you just got sent out retreaded and I think it's very true of your life yep Mary, an amazing story. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing over there. It's an incredible use of your retirement years. You're not just sitting around, sitting in a hammock, (laughs) enjoying the twilight years. You're out there working for God and I think probably enjoying life to the full. I am, yes. I'm very contented. Yeah, Yeah. certainly am. Wow, what more can you say about the remarkable Mary Hutton, missionary in Bogota, Colombia? She absolutely loves what she's doing ministering to the children there. Even though it sounds like a hard, demanding life, getting up at four in the morning and lugging buckets of water around. But through it all, the Lord is filling up her life to overflowing with riches that money can't buy. An inspiration to us all. Well, if you'd like to contact Mary, you can send her a message through her church in Loxton, South Australia. Their website is livingwatersloxton.com.au. That's livingwatersloxton.com.au. Thanks for joining us for Mary's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Bullying became something that I uh, had to put up with pretty much throughout high school and in year 10 it really escalated. Boys pinning my arms by my body from behind using my backpack in between classes and guys coming up in front of me and rubbing my ears for fun and you know they do it so violently so regularly that the skin would tear away from the skull and start to bleed and then over days my ears would bruise up and go purple and black and so that was the kind of stuff I put up with on a daily basis. Brett Murray and his wife, Teresa, are the co-founders of the Make Bullying History Foundation and are passionate about helping children who have been bullied. Unfortunately, Brett went through his own experience of being picked on when he was in high school, and he'll share his story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.